It's time for JT the Brick. Did I miss anything? If these guys on this team aren't as pissed off as I am by the coverage of the national media, the amount of disrespect I see this team getting, these guys should be angry and pissed off at the way they're being treated and looked at. Most people don't think that the Raiders are going to compete and do anything. They all think we suck. Always negative on the Raiders nationally. As the pundits are saying we're a four-win team, we're a five-win team, but I am specifically calling out some of the loud voices in the Raider Nation. JT the Brick. It's Raider bias. It's the whole reason I'm on the radio is to just try to control the narrative a little bit better. Now I got your attention. On good days, we need to be great. Put that in a promo in three, two, and one. On good days, we need to be great around here. Do we all agree? And now, the Pied Piper of Raider Nation Radio. Here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, JT in Vegas. I got a new cigar experience for you at La Casa Cigars, Tivoli Village. You'll find me there often now. Love a good cigar. Got my spot, Tivoli Village, uh, owned by the Raider Nation. A diehard Raider fan, Mike, there, who uh, walked out of his way and said, come on in, and I love it. The humidor, the amount of selections they have, the bourbon, the whiskey, the scotch, the beer, whatever you want there. Come find me at La Casa Cigars right there at Tivoli Village. Real easy to see. It's worth the drive. You'll have a blast there. Love that being there for Thursday night football and other events there. And maybe a Saturday or two or a Sunday when the Raiders aren't playing there. Great place to watch football. Uh, speaking of football, the line has moved in the Raider game. Very interesting, as I was alerted to by a couple of Sharps. We put Sharps on the radio. The line opened up initially a pick'em game. And then it moved to Pittsburgh minus one. Pittsburgh was the road favorite in Vegas. Then the sharp money came in on the Vegas, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Now it's two and a half. Raiders are favored. You get three for being at home. This is a dead even pick'em game, pretty much. But the money came in heavy on the Raiders, and they moved the line. They need people to bet on Pittsburgh, so they moved the Raiders to minus two and a half. Will it go to three? Potentially. Depends on how much Raider money they take. I have a feeling there's going to be some sharp money coming in on Pittsburgh that might move this down to two. Or one, we'll see what happens here. But just to let you know, line alert, Las Vegas Raiders minus two and a half at home. Looking at a couple of the other moving lines, to me one of the biggest games of the week is the Chargers at Minnesota. This is huge. It opened up Chargers minus two and a half, and now it's down to Chargers minus one, and there's some pick out there. That this is a make-or-break game. You go 0-2, you got an 11.5% chance to make the playoffs. You go 0-3. Man, the numbers dropped dramatically. The Chargers are on the verge of the season running away from them if they don't win this game. I don't think they'll win it. I think Minnesota got a lot of respect for Kirk Cousins. He's a good player. Justin Herbert's a better quarterback, but Kirk Cousins is very good. And this is going to be a hell of a football game. We want the Chargers to lose, to drop to 0-3. Or do we going into L.A.? I'd like to see them lose. We'll see how that plays out. Derek Carr is 2-0. He goes into Green Bay. That line's been played down to Green Bay, minus two at home. Denver at Miami. Remember everybody was picking Denver before the start of the year? Oh, Denver's going to be great. Oh, Denver's great. Denver's great. I say, no, they're not. Well, now Denver is on the road at Miami. Miami is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Look for Denver to go 0-3. Buffalo beat the Raiders. They're at Washington. Buffalo's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Well, they let down again. I doubt it, but the Commanders are 2-0. and And Detroit is a really interesting team. Detroit lost their home opener. Atlanta 
It's got B. John Robinson who can run. This guy's unbelievable. Atlanta's catching three on the road at Detroit. If Detroit loses that game and goes 0-2 at home after selling out all their season tickets, that will be wild. And the Giants playing on Thursday night, and they play at San Francisco. Saquon Barkley, he shouldn't play. If he plays, to me, that's reckless. He got carried off the field. He's got a bad – there's no need to let him play. You let him sit on Thursday. He doesn't have to play for nine days. Ten days after that, Giants plus 10 at the 49ers. That Giants rivalry with the Niners I grew up with, if the Niners, if the Giants were at full strength with Barkley, I think they give the Niners a game. Without Barkley, I don't think they're able to do that. So that's something we're keeping an eye on here as we get rolling. 702-365-9200. This is a good time to get in because I have Kevin Bollinger coming up at 145, Vinny Bonsignor at the bottom of the hour. We're waiting on Steve Weish also possibly from NFL Network. But if you want to get through now, 702-365-9200. Robert in Portland waited over the top of the hour. Go ahead, Robert. Great interview with Freddie, as always. Mm -hmm. Number 25, retired down there at Florida State. You know, and I'm sure you've been to Florida State. You know his numbers, uh, you know, forever retired. Um, I wanted to point out that pro football focus, who I respect that you always, you know, have contributors from on your show, uh, they have really done Tyree Wilson no favors. I understand what he's going through as a young rookie, and especially since he's been thrown into the fire due to Jones's, uh, you know, not playing. But he really is struggling, and they have really ripped him mm-hmm. in both games. I didn't know if you knew that. I do. They need to get they need to get more from him because what's going to happen is to get those turnovers we've all been waiting for. Uh, I know two of them have been called back due to penalties, but that's what we need. We need just disruption to to keep up with the Steelers this weekend. Well, you brought it to the table, Robert. He was brought in to be a disruptor. It's the first two NFL games he's ever played. Once one against a great team in Buffalo. He's going to struggle. This won't be the last time he struggles, but this is his home opener. This is the biggest game of his life, playing his first game at Allegiant Stadium. I hope he stays onside, doesn't jump off sides, and is disciplined and knocks a couple of balls down. What I'm counting on him is if he can't get to the quarterback with that wingspan, he can knock a few balls down out of the air. That's got to be a strength of him. I'm not asking him to be Micah Parsons as a rookie here, but he's got to make some plays. Yeah, it's essential. Yeah, thanks for the call. It is essential. Look, you got drafted number seven overall. I'm okay to watch a guy develop. Jacorian Bennett and Tyree Wilson are both out there on the field at the same time. Is everybody as excited about that as I am? Look, we, when you draft a rookie high, get him on the field. Unless you're just trying to groom him and it's going to take a year or two. You don't groom Tyree Wilson. If that guy's cleared to go, he's your franchise player opposite of Max Crosby. You took him seventh overall. Max was in the fourth round by the prior regime. This is their guy. Get him out there. I have a lot of confidence that Tyree is going to have some explosive games this year. Is he going to be great in every game? No. But can he, it's not going to be Miles Garrett every game or T.J. Watt. But maybe he jumps out and makes a statement in this game. 702-365-9200. At JT the Brick on Twitter, if you want to get in that way. Mike in Staten, Italy. Mikey, what's going on with this Raider line here? I know you texted me. You're looking at it. It's kind of bizarre. What's with the line move? 
Well, the lot, I think they got it right, uh, JT. I think they were, like you said, before the beginning of the year, they had the Raiders winning less than six and a half games. And they and, and you're not going to put pickings in the same category as Garoppolo. Uh, I think this is a Raider game they have to win. And I think that the shops, and, and you know Vegas, come game time, Vegas money is going to pour in. So if you're thinking about betting the Raiders, you bet them now at minus two and a half, uh, minus 110. Every, every book in Vegas has them at that right now. So there's no advantage going anywhere. And, and you know, when you get that 60,000 coming to the stadium, they're all betting the Raiders. So uh, I got a couple of games for you, JT, that uh, my week of betting the NFL starts now. I told you uh, I bet very light the first two weeks because you don't know who's good. You don't know who's bad. There's, there's, there's one game. There's one game that stands out to me. Mm-hmm. I think the Chiefs uh, are uh, – that's my best bet of the week. Uh, I have them winning that game by at least 13 points. Uh, I got the Chiefs and I got the Ravens. I think they're the class of the AFC, and I think those are my two best bets. Hey, Mikey, and Mikey, well, hold on a second. You're laying 13 and – excuse me, 12 and a half to 13, and then Baltimore, you're laying 7 and a half to 8. Are you teasing these games, or are you just taking them straight up? Eight, uh, I will I will sprinkle a little tease on it. No, I'm just taking them straight up with mm. the points, JT. Okay. I don't think it's I don't think the games are going to be close. And I think it's there's something fishy with this line with the Giants that it's that it's ten. I, I you know my computer algorithm has it a little more than that. But uh, you know mm. on a Thursday a short night on a Thursday night uh, you can't touch it. Well, you okay. know 10, 10 points you can't touch. But listen. The Raiders got to stop that wide receiver on Pittsburgh. They got to double him. And, and JT, I'm going to disagree with you. You do whatever you have to to give Garoppolo time to make a pass. Mm-hmm. If you got a double Watt or you got to double the other side, run draws at him, run, run uh, uh, little screen passes mm-hmm. at him. We, we should win this game, and we should win it handily. All right, Mikey, thanks for calling. I appreciate you coming in on that, and no doubt about that. That's going to be part of my analysis and breakdown on what we saw the Steelers do with their offense in that game. They didn't do much, but they got a couple of receivers there that Pickett is getting comfortable with, and that's going to be important going forward. Uh, Pickett, the way Pickett is going to play better at, and he's going to start to be more comfortable, is he's going to lock into a receiver that makes him feel comfortable. And he's got a couple options, but it's now George Pickens, who had that long 71-yard touchdown. He had four receptions, 127 yards. Now 71 out of the 127. But that's like Devontae Adams' numbers. And Jalen Warren, four receptions for 66 yards. He had a 30-yard long one. Pickett can make throws. Pickett can make throws. Pickett has an arm. The problem is he hasn't seen much football in the NFL. Jimmy has. Jimmy's been there, done that. We have a distinct advantage at the quarterback position nationally televised on Sunday night. Jimmy Garoppolo versus Kenny Pickett. That better be an advantage to the Raiders. It's got to be. I'm not saying Jimmy's going to be an advantage against Mahomes, even though he should have beat Mahomes in a Super Bowl. Made that overthrow, they would have won the Super Bowl. Jimmy can hang. He won an NFC championship and almost won a Super Bowl. But he better be better than Kenny Pickett. I can tell you that. 702-365-9200. Stoner Dude is going to be jamming heading into that. Tell us about it. Yeah, JT. I mean, this is a huge. You know, think about the home openers. You know, look at all these other home openers so far this season, whether it's the Bills or the Broncos. 
how their fans have just like filled the stadiums and wore their colors and how awesome it is. I've been waiting now two weeks for our game to finally happen. And, you know, I, I have to say, man, I've been seeing some good defenses out there. The Steelers, yeah, they got a great defense right now. They got, they're physical, they're mean, they're tough, and they like to hit. They like to take the ball away. And I think, you know, we don't have that talent right now, I have to say, on defense, but we can match their intensity. And if we can beat them on the offensive side of the ball and get Josh Jacobs going, I think things will be flowing. You know, just be efficient and keep the game close and just score some points. But, you know, JT, like I said, the intensity is going to be on the fans this this uh, home opener. And this Saturday, we're going to throw a party at the OEO Hotel Casino. Raiderhead is going to have the rock and roll Raider fan party. We're going to have a lot of special guests come out Saturday night at the OEO Hotel. We'll see you all there. I'm looking forward to a huge opening weekend for the Raider Nation. Go Raiders! There he is, Stoner Dude, checking in. Longtime friend of the show. Today's an emotional day, and thanks to – I knew this was going to happen, and it would hit me hard, but I saw it on my Facebook, and I tweeted it out. This is the two-year anniversary of the death of Black Hole Rob, uh, the leader of the Black Hole, one of the co-founders, dear friend of mine. Uh, Raiders did a beautiful job when they took his name and likeness and his wife and put it on the Jumbotron, the Jumbo board there at Allegiant Stadium. And a lot of us saw that. And this is the two-year anniversary of the passing of my very good friend. I tell the story often, if you got a moment, when I started with the Raiders in 1998, 25 years ago, first guy I went to was Black Hole Rob and said, this is only going to work for me if I got your permission in the Black Hole. And he said, hey, man, you don't screw us over, we'll, we'll support you. I said, that's all I need. And I went all in on Black Hole. All in on the Black Hole. I bought a banner. The banner hung in the end zone for years. The Black Hole and JT the Brick. I was the first inductee into the Black Hole Hall of Fame. High honor in my life. High honor. Means a lot more to me than most things I've had done in my radio careers to be a part of the Black Hole. Mark runs the Black Hole with Cisco. They got a lot of events coming that I'll be a part of and will be promoting because they're a proud partner of the show. Hey, Mark, before we get going, I loved your social media from Dallas on the plane. And once you got there, you didn't like that little karaoke piano guy and gal they had in the stadium, did you? No, no, that was absolutely uh, <laughs> horrendous. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. We, we, we thought it was uh, just a couple of fans that had maybe sat down at a piano up there. <laughs> And started playing, especially when this guy started singing Journey. It was like, hey, uh, you know, who do we got a tip here to make, to make that stop? So, yeah, it was pretty funny. But, hey, you know what? Um, great stadium. We're going to all the games this year. We just got back from Buffalo. Obviously not the outcome we wanted, but, uh, you know, a beautiful, beautiful day out there for a game. Um, and, uh, you know, great fan base. Those guys were all great. Um, there are a lot of Raider fans out there. We're traveling really well this year, mm-hmm. so uh, – it was very, very fun. Yeah, what do you got going this week? So this is real important for everybody here. This is the biggest fan group in all of Raider Nation, and I know it starts off, uh, you're going to be with me Friday, Modelo. We're excited noon to two at Top Golf, and then the Black Hole events start kicking in. Tell us all about it. Well, yeah, this is going to be like Disneyland for Raider fans this weekend. We've been re- working real hard towards the home opener. Um, we're starting it off on Saturday uh, with, with, with Caesars and the Raiders over at Carnival Court at Caesars. Uh, from one to four with the super fans over there uh, for their official kind of kickoff party. And then, uh, you know, over at Flanker inside Mandalay, the new Flanker sports bar over there, we got Donald Penn coming over mm-hmm. uh, to make an appearance and do some signings from five to seven. And then, of course, the uh, 
Saturday night, you know, night before party at Eye Candy uh, inside Mandalay Bay at 8 p.m. And we have over a thousand people that have already RSVP'd for that um, JT. And I, like again, I just got to really get a shout out to the nation and, and to all the Black Hole members and everybody who's really trying to come into this game and make this home opener special. Um, we can't do this without the support of our fan base mm-hmm. and, and our membership. So, you know, tip of the cap to each and every one of them. And then Sunday, we got a game day brunch going on over at Luxor with the super fans from 9 to 11. And um, the Luxor has really kind of rolled out the red carpet for us over there. We have our own kind of VIP line for the brunch, so you can kind of get in and out. Um, some two-for-one Modellos over there, other drink specials. So we're just trying to work really hard to try to do anything we can to make you know, this game and, and, and this team more accessible to the fan base. And, um, again, with everyone's support out there, you know, we're able to do things like that. So, again, we, we really appreciate all the support. Well, you got the support from me here because you support us. Also, the Bone Thugs and Harmony event that the Black Hole is promoting also at Daylight Beach Club. You just have a lot going on in the fan district, obviously outside by the pool, and then the events you said. Again, tell everybody about that eye candy party because I know there's a lot of people going. My phone's been blowing up from fans from Oakland to L.A. Uh, give us that one more time. Yeah, we're kind of going back to our roots, you know, here and, um, you know, reached out to uh, Corrupt from the da- from the Dog Pound, um, as well as DJ Battle Cat, and we've been seeing a lot of them celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. They're going to be basically doing a residency for us this year over at Eye Candy for all the home games, night before a party over there. Mm-hmm. And again, all you got to do is uh, just go and register for it in RSVP. Uh, it starts at 8. I'd get there early. There's going to be a lot of people there. Um, there's also some VIP table opportunities and stuff there, um, I think. But um, that's been really, um, as you said, um, really, really well received. And, again, you know, we're able to do things like this just because of the support and stuff from the membership and, and from Raider Nation. So we appreciate it because we love having fun, too, as you know. You got it, my friend. I will see you Saturday night. That's a big deal. Thanks for coming on. Yes, sir. Thank you, JT. Okay. And as we were just taking those calls, breaking news, from Ian Rappaport, uh, sources Raiders pass rusher Chandler Jones has been placed on the non-football illness list as he deals with a personal issue. The team has stood behind him, and no one has ruled out a return if his situation improves. That's Ian Rappaport, NFL Network, as he just put that out. He's got 4 million followers, sources. This is not official, but this is from Rappaport, and it's all over my phone. Pass rusher Chandler Jones has been placed on the non-football illness list as he deals with personal issues. The team has stood behind him, and no one has ruled out his return if his situation improves. So that's the update for me and Rappaport. We'll wait to see what the Raiders put out here, if it happens at the end of this show or into Q show here. Uh, 702-365-9200. Oh, uh, Vinny Bonsignor at the bottom of the hours of practice. Uh, wrapping up, Vinny and then Kevin Bollinger, two of our insiders that we have on Wednesdays here on Raider Nation Radio. Tomorrow, we're going to talk to Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Raiders, who joins us on Thursdays. So we got a big show lined up again tomorrow, too. So every show, every day, we have one to two Raider insiders on a grid. Uh, Vic Tafer on Friday, Paul Gutierrez on Tuesday. And then we have the the great insiders and the legends uh, brought to you by M Resort Spa and Casino. Fred Bolitnikoff was our guest this week. It was a lot of fun. We had Phil Villapiano week two and Matt Millen week one. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Those interviews live in a podcast that you can find. I'd love you to subscribe. Go to Raiders.com and subscribe to Once a Raider, Always a Raider. 
and check out those conversations there. All right, we got a busy show the rest of the way. Two insiders will join us back-to-back. We'll hear what Vinny Bonsignor has to say on the status of Chandler Jones. Some other sound coming in. Ooh, Mike Tomlin protected his offensive coordinator. The fans were chanting fire. The offensive coordinator, Mike Tomlin, stood up to his coach. Here, we'll tell you all about that. And what happened in the Rams game? Did Sean McVay know the number and the line and decide to do something to affect the gambling spread? That's a story brewing. Man, I I appreciate their passion. Um, I share their passion. We all do. Um, Man, we love our fans, man. They they inspire us. Uh, They challenge us. Um, It's an awesome relationship. Man, we don't run from challenges. We run to challenges. Um, This is the sport entertainment business. It is our job to win and thus entertain them. And so, you know, we don't begrudge them for that. Um, We we, we, want to... We want them to be fat and sassy and spoiled. It is our job. Mike Tomlin defending his OC. Man, he's something. Mike Tomlin coming to town. Raiders got to get going after him. Raiders have been successful against Mike Tomlin. They need to do it on Sunday Night Football. Vinny Bonsignor will join us in a moment. Uh, Pro Football Focus came out with their Week 3 power rankings. Okay, so the top three are Kansas City, San Francisco, and Dallas. It's exactly how I see it. Kansas City's the world champs. I think Dallas is a little bit better than the Niners, but I'm good with that. The bottom three are Arizona, Houston, and Chicago. Those are the worst three teams. So if you're wondering, if you're wondering who's going to get the first pick in the draft, it's not going to be the Raiders. It's going to be Arizona, Houston, and Chicago. So they have the Raiders at 27 out of 32 in power rankings. So you can complain about that or not. They have Pittsburgh at 26. But here's what bothers me again. They got the Denver Broncos down from 21 to 25. Raiders have beaten the Broncos seven times in a row. And Pro Football Focus has the Raiders 27th and the Broncos 25th. They just couldn't put the Raiders 25 or 26 and the Broncos 27. They can't do it. The fascination with the Denver Broncos to me is incredible. The Raiders are lower in the power rankings than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the New York Giants, the Washington Commanders, the Rams. I mean, the Raiders need this game, man. They need this game. If you care about power rankings, I don't care much, but I just read it to you. It's just another sign of disrespect. Vinny Bonsignor joins us as we continue. Uh, Vinny, let's jump right in. I know you'll report it when you have it. Rappaport's out there, others on the status of Chandler Jones. Josh McDaniel spoke earlier today. This is a personal issue going forward. How do you see it? Yeah, and it looks like he's uh, headed to the non-football injury list, which we um, kind of you know reported was a possibility as early as the very beginning stages of what's been uh, the Raiders are describing as a personal matter, kind of a bizarre turn of events over the last three weeks or so. Um, we're not going to get into all the social media posts. Everybody has seen those. They come as quickly as they, 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 they're, they they're deleted as quickly as they come. Uh, obviously, there's something going on with Chandler. And uh, for the Raiders, now they get a little bit of a roster uh, relief. Remember, he's been counting against the 53-man roster since the beginning of the season. Uh, he's still listed 
as their starting defensive end, one of their starting defensive ends. So uh, it's tough going into an NFL game uh, with a roster spot being occupied by somebody that's not even in the facility. So this opens up a roster spot. We'll see how they uh, they address it, but uh, a step in the direction to, to potentially some sort of a resolution mm-hmm. for what's going on. Uh, Vinny, what do you think of Patrick Graham's comments on Tyree Wilson as they're trying to develop him, coming through the injury portion of getting him ready to play? I thought they nailed the timing on that beautifully to get him to play in his first preseason game in Dallas. What have you seen on tape, and what do the coaches think of him? Yeah, I thought he played better uh, on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. Um, There's a lot on his plate right now. Um, This is a guy who hasn't played since November. I know Raider Nation – you know, isn't interested in excuses, and I get that, and I understand it. But it is a valid explanation. There was a plan uh, in place for Tyree Wilson this year, especially the early part of the year, to kind of get him, uh, to kind of get a foundation underneath him, so that you know, as the season went in, you could add more, um, you know, uh, in terms of what his responsibilities were going to be, in terms of what his playing time was going to be. But a lot of that got, you know, uh, exasperated, or, or uh, you know. Uh, kind of rushed a little bit, expedited, if you will, uh, by the absence of, of Chandler Jones. He was supposed to be the understudy to Chandler Jones, but obviously that's not part of the plan anymore. And as a result, more is on the plate of Tyree Wilson. And, and quite frankly, he might not be ready for that in terms of understanding the defense, understanding his responsibilities. He's obviously playing and thinking uh, at the same time. Uh, and and that's that's not an excuse. That's kind of the reality of the situation. But I do feel if you watch the tape, he looked a little bit more assertive uh, on Sunday, and and so that's a good starting point for him moving forward. Uh, so Vinny, is there any concern on any of the starters? Because Isaiah Powell Mal can play safety. Uh, some people are saying Merrick's playing better. Others are saying, well, they're not seeing enough. That's for the coaches to figure out. They get paid to figure out who's better, who's on the practice squad, who's a backup here. But Marcus Peters, not much from him in Buffalo. You know, they ran it for 183 yards. When you look at the pursuit to the football, other than Max Crosby, who stands out to you? Yeah, I, thought, I feel like the, the defensive backs are still doing a good job uh, in, in run support. The, the, the thing is, you don't want your defensive backs to lead your team in tackles, especially when it comes to the run game. You want it to be your linebackers. You want it to be your defensive front. And that didn't happen, obviously, uh, on, on Sunday. You know, in terms of Marcus Peters, um, you know, the Raiders have, have made a concerted effort, uh, especially over these first two games, to take away deep balls, to take away big chunk plays in, in the opposition's passing game. And they've done exactly that. The problem is, uh, you know, Jared Allen played a very disciplined game in taking what the defense gave him. So it kind of negates what, Marcus Peters brings to the table. He's somebody that if you're going to take a chance downfield, he's always lurking. Those chances really haven't been taken because the quarterbacks are just being disciplined in, in sort of giving or taking what the Raiders are giving them. Uh, I thought that was a calculated risk against a, a quarterback like Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. You don't expect him to remain as patient as he did. And to his credit, he absolutely did and, and played a winning football game. Um, this week against a younger quarterback who I think the Raiders are going to try to bait into you know, taking some chances downfield, that's where I feel like a guy like Marcus Peters can, can play a bigger role. He's sort of been taken out, or at least what he brings to the table has sort of been taken out, and, and he's not playing poorly by any stretch of the imagination. It's just that he really hasn't been challenged down mm-hmm. the field, and that's kind of what he does when, when quarterbacks do that. He's there lurking to go pick them up. 
Vinny Bonsignor is our guest. So, Vinny, you have a radio show here, and you follow the team as close as anyone. What's at stake in this game? It's Sunday night opener. The whole world's watching. They're coming off a loss. What is your sense of this team at practice around the organization with your sources on what needs to happen here? Yeah, um, well, what's at stake is uh, a chance to remain in first place in mm-hmm. the uh, AFC West. I think that's kind of gotten lost a little bit in the, yeah. in the loss to the uh, Buffalo Bills. They're, they're still tied for first place. Uh, there's a whole bunch of 0-2 teams. There, there's a few 2-0 teams. They're one of the teams that's 1-1, and and that's not an awful place to be in by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, it's probably where many people assume they would be. So the opportunity to hold court at their home field against a big physical team like the Pittsburgh Steelers and, and get to uh, above 500. Remember, they haven't been above 500 except for that first week of the season uh, this far into a season under Josh McDaniels. I think that would be something to build on. So uh, it's still so early in the season. And the way the NFL works nowadays, that first month of the season, a lot of teams are just kind of trying to find their identity. What you want to do is win, is win as many games in that process. And if the Raiders could go to 2-1-1 uh, while still trying to, you know, iron out the kinks and, and, and get guys acclimated, they're relying on a whole bunch of young players. It's a new quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. There's young players. There's new players to the system. The key is to just keep winning during that process. So by a month of the season, a month and a half in the season, uh, everybody's settled in. You kind of know who you are, uh, and you're above water at that point. And, and now you start pointing to the second half of the season or the, the next phase of the season into the second half of the season, uh, and you're in a good position to handle things. Vinny B's our guest. Uh, Vinny, what you see with Pittsburgh? It's on a short week. Kenny Pickett struggles at times, then he throws a deep touchdown. Some of his receivers made plays, but it's that defense that jumps out at me. Uh, T.J. Watt. It's just a beast. And so's Max Crosby. They're very similar on how both franchises try to slow him down. But what jumped off the page at me today was looking at the numbers of the defensive player of the week, Alex Highsmith. This is number 56. He had an interception return for a touchdown, a sack, a strip sack. The tackles were there. That's someone that the Raiders really got to keep an eye on. He's starting to emerge into one hell of a player. Yeah, uh, they do, and and if you're if, if I'm Patrick Graham, you know I know you're looking at the the, the uh, offense of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, that's what your uh, your 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 challenge is stopping the offense. But I wouldn't if I was Patrick Graham, I wouldn't mind putting in a little tape of the Pittsburgh Steelers defense to show this defense, the Raiders defense. Mm-hmm. This is what we kind of want it to look like. Um, this is the aggressiveness that you're looking to play with. This is the confidence that you're looking to play with. Remember, Robert Spillane kept talking about that during training camp, um, to not overthink it, to go make the play if the play is there to be made. And it feels like so far, you know, the first two weeks of the season, especially against the Buffalo Bills, the Raiders have been playing a little too carefully on defense. Go take some chances. That's what the Pittsburgh Steelers do. It doesn't always work out, but as it, as it showed on Monday night, they don't win the game against the Cleveland Browns, they got beaten every statistical category in that game decisively uh, in terms of amount of plays, time of possessions, total yards, uh, first downs. I mean, they, they really, if you look just at the box score, you, you wonder how the heck did the Pittsburgh Steelers win this game? Well, you go down to the turnovers and they force four of them, and two of them they turn into touchdowns. And that shows you how much help a defense can provide, not just stopping play, uh, other teams, but actually making plays and contributing to the scoreboard. Uh, and so if I'm Patrick Graham, that's kind of what I want to mold my defense 
uh, on, and I'd like to have my players take a look at what it actually looks like when it's operating at a high level, which I think there's talent on the Raiders to be able to do something similar. Maybe not exactly like the Pittsburgh Steelers do, uh, but be a little bit more aggressive in how they play the game, and I think that would serve the Raiders well. Offensively for the Steelers, I see the same thing that you did. They struggled against the Cleveland Browns. Kenny Pickett, um, you know, it's still going to take him a, a little time uh, to, to, you know, get his feet under him as a starting NFL quarterback. He's not quite there yet. You know, mm-hmm. the Raiders have played two veteran quarterbacks now in the first two weeks of the season. This is a chance uh, to really maybe feast on a young quarterback. Uh, and that goes back to taking some chances defensively and forcing the issue and maybe forcing Kenny into some situations that he's not ready to cope with just yet. Vinny Bonsignor, as we wrap it up, I love what you just said there. It was fantastic radio. The fa- Throw the tape on of what Pittsburgh did, that defense, and show it to the Raider defenders. I love that. That's exactly what I was thinking, and you said it. Let them see guys flying to the football violently the way there's a trending video of Max running across the whole field and hitting someone and sending them out of bounds. Let's see more of that on tape. I think that's fantastic. So, Vinny, as we wrap it up, I know you got a lot going on at Resorts World on Saturday. Tell us about your partners, where the fans are going to be with you. Yep, absolutely. Dos Cotas is throwing a big party over at uh, the Red Tail at uh, Resorts World. We're starting at 6 o'clock, and a lot of Raider fans are going to be coming into town and the locals here uh, as well. A chance to get together, talk, drink some great tequila, uh, eat some really good food and uh, and start looking ahead to that Pittsburgh Steelers game. I know a lot of people are going to want to talk about what happened in Buffalo. That's okay, too. We're here for you. Uh, but uh, definitely a great way to kick off the, season, the, the home opener. Remember, it's been a long time since the Raiders have played in Allegiant Stadium. I can't even – I was trying to think about it today, how long it's been. Uh, but it was the, you know, the preseason uh, that, 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 that the last time that they played in that stadium. So it feels like a long time. I know that they're, they're, they're excited to get home. And we're excited to kick it off with the fans over at Red Tail. Thank you, Vinny. We'll see you this weekend. Appreciate you. Thank you, JT. All right. That's Vinny Bonsignor. And Kevin Bollinger is going to join us next. I like what he said about that. All I want to see, and I know they can do it. You know, I'm not Debbie Downer here saying, oh, my God, the Raiders have no players who can tackle. Oh, the Raiders can't play. The Raiders, no. Just the opposite. I believe in Chicorian Bennett, Tyree Wilson. I like Divine Diablo. I think I'm pumping him up big. Just fly around more, man. Just get, be more violent. Not penalties violent. Just start cracking people. Start blowing up plays like I saw the Steelers do against the Browns. Man, what they did. Now, the hit to Nick Chubb by Fitzpatrick, and if he's not playing in this game, it'd be good news for the Raiders. We'll find out. But that was a cheap shot. That was below the knees. I hate that when that happens. But do you remember the Colorado State game? They lost to Dion, Jay Norvell. They played what was considered a dirty game. And I wanted to say this point and tie it into the NFL. I don't think they played dirty. What I think would happen, those were young college kids that were so disrespected, not personally by Deion Sanders, but the media scrutiny and the love fest that they had for Deion. And those kids were in the locker room all week practicing for Colorado State going, man, no one's talking about us, man. Coach, where's the other TV channels coming here to talk to us? No one's interviewing me. And they went out and they beat the living crap out of Dion's team. Now they got 16 penalties. A lot of them on defense and they got some ugly penalties. They knocked one of their players out. Dirty play? Yes, it was a dirty play. But I don't think it was their fault. I think they were so energized to play in that atmosphere on the road that they just played off the charts violent and fast. 
That's what I'd like to see the Raiders do. But no penalties. So I want the best of both worlds. I want them to play like Atkinson and Tatum. But if Atkinson and Tatum, when they were playing in the 70s, played that way now, they'd have a flag on every play. They have a flag on every play. So play smart, play fast, be a little bit more efficient, and it'll be fun to see what happens here. Look up, NFL Live. Mike Tomlin wants fans fat and sassy and spoiled. It's our job. Well, the whole world's not paying attention to the Raiders. They will on Monday if the Raiders win that game. It could flip a lot of media coverage. Kevin Bollinger from Fox 5, he'll join us next. Each year's different. Our team's different now than it was last year. Their team's different, too. So, um, you know, that happens, you know, every year. And you look back on it. You do your due diligence. You understand the way we played the game, the way they played the game. Um, the conditions, obviously, were, I would say, significantly different than what they're going to be on Sunday night. So, um, you know, um, we did our work. I'm sure they looked at it as well. So, you know, I don't think anybody has an advantage in that regard. That was a troublesome game last year. I thought the Raiders were clearly better than Pittsburgh. They lost. They really didn't have much in the fourth quarter. And Kenny Pickett and the Steelers came back and won a game that I thought the Raiders should have won. Robert Spillane had a big game. That's the first time I ever heard of that guy. Because he had, I think, 12 tackles in that game, and the Raiders ended up getting him. Uh, Vic Tafer, a Raiders defensive end. Chandler Jones has been placed on the non-football illness list. Personal issue, Rap Sheets reporting it. Kevin Bollinger from Fox 5, our insider, checks in. He's been out at the facility today. So, Kevin, we were kind of expecting something like this along the way. Said, what's going on in Chandler's life? It seems like the Raiders have an opportunity to make this move here and stand behind him. How do you see it? Yeah, you know, uh, something that had to be done at some point uh, from a, a personal standpoint and from a business standpoint for the Raiders because they couldn't let that roster spot be taken up by somebody who wasn't going to have the ability to be active on Sunday. So, uh, you know, the, the Raiders will continue – uh, to, to work and then hopefully Chandler gets uh, whatever help that, that he needs and in the meantime uh, they can move forward uh, and utilize that spot. So the non-football illness list requires four games uh, from this point. So the earliest if Chandler Jones uh, were to come back that he could come back would be week seven. Okay, what's your sense of practice today? Coming off the loss, you only get a certain amount of time to look around and see what's happening at this small practice session, but I would think the team would be sky high with the opportunity to prove that they can play better than they did in Buffalo on Sunday. Yeah, Josh McDaniels talked about it this morning when he met with the media that, you know, looking at the mistakes uh, that were made in Buffalo and coming out and getting a chance to, to uh, correct them on Sunday was a big deal. I mean, it's, it's cliche for coaches to say, uh, you know, it's not uh, losing, it's learning opportunities. Uh, this is a case, and that was a game on Sunday in Buffalo that presented a lot of learning opportunities for the Raiders. Uh, and I think that they're going to do so going forward. But it seemed pretty upbeat at practice today in the short time that we were there. The key part, of course, Jacoby Myers not only being on the practice field, but uh, you know, very active and running around during that time. That's a great sign for him to potentially get out of the concussion protocol and be available very soon. Kevin Bollinger, Fox 5. If I recall, you were at that Christmas game in Pittsburgh last year, right? 
I was, yes. Yeah. Christmas Eve night. It was colder than you know what. Yeah, I remember <laughs> us talking about that on the radio afterwards. And, you know, Franco Harris passed away unexpectedly. A lot of people were in town for that. And then it got brutally cold. What do you remember about that game and Kenny Pickett? Because Carr's no longer here and Pickett, that was a big moment for him. I think that was the biggest moment of his career, considering what was at stake in the retirement of Franco's number and beating the Raiders in a rivalry game. No question. And the fact that it happened late in the season, I think kind of gave Kenny Pickett the, the momentum that, that he needed coming in to this season and the, all the offseason workouts and the training camp in terms of internally with his teammates uh, that, that he can lead this team with what he did late in that game against the Raiders. And so I, I think, you know, for an organization that believes so much on, on drafting and developing talent from within, uh, that was a, a huge moment for him in that Raider game. And with a fan base, uh, you know, the Steeler fan base to do it with the Franco Harris uh, situation that was going on at the time kind of uh, gave him a little bit of juice with the fans as well. But as we all know, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of league. And, uh, you know, the Raiders uh, maybe want to, uh, you know, make make uh, him come down to earth a little bit more this Sunday. Uh, Kevin, I'm not going to compare this to the first ever game at Allegiant Stadium because also we had COVID protocols. Fans didn't go to a game for a year. The Charger game against the Raiders to put the Raiders into the playoffs, I think, is the biggest game there. But this one's got a feel. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I know the Raiders are good enough to win. I hope they win. But I'm just sensing this is a really big moment in this city for this franchise. You don't get many games on Sunday night at home, especially when they can't flex you out of it at the end of the year. You can put on a show on and off the field, and you can have a great moment. Are you sensing the size and the magnitude of this game? No question. And, and also given the fact that not only is it a home opener, but it's a home opener that comes in week three, and the Raiders' only home preseason game was in the first week of the preseason. They haven't been in Allegiant Stadium in front of their home fans in a long time, and I think that the fans are chomping us a bit to get into that stadium and make an impact, and the players certainly know the magnitude of this game, not only from the Sunday night aspect, but a chance to, to go 2-1, and one. and when you look at your schedule, and we've talked about this, you know, week one was so critical against Denver, but week three against Pittsburgh, uh, in this early stretch of games is a huge one that you have to get as well. So I think that the players sense it, I think the coaches sense it, and I certainly think the fans sense it. Well, we talk to you every two weeks, and as we wrap it up here, I know you got a busy day. UNLV football won. They beat an SCC team. I think that's massive for Coach Odom and the program, right? So they're not going to win every game they play, especially against some opponents that are better. But in conference and what that game does, what do you think the word has been around town now that UNLV, I won't call it a signature game against Vandy, but a very important win for recruiting and going forward? No question, because it's created a buzz. And their final non-conference games in El Paso against UTEP this weekend, and then they go right in. So the conference schedule against two, if you want to call them rival teams, Hawaii, of course, the Ninth Island showdown with so many Hawaiians that live here. And then you get Reno uh, after the bye week. And so, uh, you know, UNLV has the potential to, to set themselves up to go to a bowl game. They've only gone to one bowl game since the year 2000, and that was in 2013 in the heart of Dallas Bowl. But from a recruiting standpoint, uh, you know, Odom wants to recruit kids locally and get them to stay home. And to have a local kid quarterback that, that came in uh, in relief and, and have the game that he had to, to lead to the win against Vanderbilt helps on that standpoint. And to beat an SEC team helps them when they hit the road to some of these uh, schools uh, and cities 
uh, in the south and southeast as they try to recruit uh, you know kids from out of town. A lot of bleachers are going up for F1. Does that affect you and your traffic with your life and family? Here, I'm not complaining <laughs> about it. I don't drive down the strip every day, but a lot of people are starting to notice here a big sporting event coming up. Yeah, you know, it, uh, it doesn't impact my day-to-day life because I'm not on the strip very often as well. When, when Golden Knights come up, I think drop a can is going to impact uh, uh, maybe more than that. But it, it's just the, where we're at right now, we're just a major international sports city, and uh, there's going to be some growing pains as we get these big events. But the F1 signed on for 10 years here, and, uh, uh, you know, I think it's going to put Las Vegas uh, on, a, on a totally different stage uh, in the sports world uh, when that race happens in November. Thank you so much. We'll see you out at the game, Kevin. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks, JT. All right, Kevin Bollinger. Appreciate him coming in. Uh, nice to talk to him. We had two big insiders back-to-back. Vinny Bonsignor, Kevin Bollinger. Mark Jones checked in from the Black Hole on all their events that they had. And Fred Bolitnikoff. We got to bleep him out just a little bit. And Freddie texts me back. He's like, "Is that okay? I go, you're fine, Freddie. We've got Phil Villapiano and Freddie. With a little bleep. There's nothing wrong with that. These guys are legends. We are so lucky to have them on this show. Q's got a big show coming up next. Saw him today. He is grinding around here. Multiple radio shows on the national platform and here. And helping uh, run the station here. Busy. I'm going to be busy the rest of the week. And I'm doing my first YouTube Live tonight. 5 o'clock YouTube Live. JT the Brick YT. Try to log in and check it out. We'll have some fun.